Thanks. We forgot to clear a space. It's uh, a nice tight cubby here. Let me just put this down a little. How's everybody doing? This is a fun, a fun setup, isn't it? Yes? No? Should we do it again? Should we not do it again, ever? Okay. I think that was a scientific poll. Um, my name is Tyler, if I don't know you. Have you ever been to a really fancy party where there was a dress code? Like the kind of party if you're not wearing the right clothes, if you're not wearing like a coat or something. I don't know, I've never been invited to one of those. Uh, they, they send you out. No, anybody been to one of those? Or what about this? Have you ever tried to sneak into a party that had a fancy dress code and you didn't have the right clothes to wear? You've done that? Andrew, I bet you have a great story about that. Uh, actually, just at the last guy's hang, one of my neighbors who was there was telling me this story about uh, a time when they visited the Guinness factory in Dublin, in Ireland, and um, they were touring the, the factory. It's really awesome. If you've never been, you should go. Uh, they teach you how to pour the perfect pint of Guinness. It's a lot of fun. But they let all of the guests know that that day they were having a very special party. It was completely exclusive, VIP only, and they had to clear the building to get all of the regular guests out so that they could bring in all of the fancy schmancy guests. And what my friend and his brother decided to do was just go hide in the bathroom. So they went in the stall and they just hung out for an hour and hoped that nobody would notice. And then once the party had started, they emerged from the bathroom and joined in with all of the festivities, walking around. Everybody else was wearing tuxedos and drinking uh, champagne. And uh, they were just kind of there like, what's happening right now? And they had a good time until the security found them and kindly escorted them out of the building. Um, when you get invited somewhere, how much do you think about what you'll wear? Is, is that a thing that you think about a lot? Joe, you, you have such great fashion, so. My first question is always, flip-flops are cool, right? Like, that's, that's okay, right? And sometimes Rachel doesn't agree with me. Is this really what we're talking about tonight? A message about clothes? Well, yes, kind of. This is what we're going to talk about. Um, here's the thing. We believe that Jesus is always inviting us into something. He's always inviting us to something. And if we're actually trying to follow him, trying to learn his way of life and become like him, which is the job of every student, every apprentice, every disciple of Jesus, the question is, for all of us as a community, is how are we paying attention and responding to the invitations of Jesus in our life right now? Do you have an idea of what Jesus is inviting you into right now? We're going to come back to that question, but we're going to read a story that Jesus told about uh, the kingdom of God in Matthew 22. So if you have a Bible or something and you want to pull that out, we're going to read this from Matthew 22, 1 through 14. And it says this, Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come 
but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off. One to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, the banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Well, that took an unexpected turn, right? Did anybody see that coming? <laughs> A dress code, seriously? I mean, that seems kind of harsh, Jesus. Especially for us in the vineyard, like we wear flip-flops and drink coffee. Uh, but we do know that it made all of the religious people uncomfortable because immediately they started planning how they could get rid of Jesus. In the very next verse we read, then the Pharisees met together to plot how to trap Jesus into saying something for which he could be arrested. Jesus told these stories, these parables, which we oftentimes, we, we think they're like cute little illustrations that have a nice meaning, but really they were these subversive, uh, upside down ways of explaining the world and explaining this mysterious thing that was breaking in called the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. By the way, the, the uh, religious leaders, their solution to trap Jesus was to talk about politics. Uh, it doesn't seem like that much has changed in that arena, right? Sometimes we think of Jesus as this rebel eating and partying with sinners, and he totally was. <laughs> That's who he was. He went around, he was hanging out with all the people that uh, they didn't expect him to hang out to. This was one of the things uh, that really made the establishment angry. But was that all he did? Just went around to parties and made people feel good? There's one description of Jesus that I've always loved. It comes uh, from the Gospel of John, chapter one, uh, describing Jesus that says that he was full of grace and truth. This often for me has helped explain some of the tension we feel when we read the Bible and we hear what Jesus taught and modeled. He was this scandalous, barrier-crashing, boundary-crossing, free-flowing grace for everyone and holy, justice-establishing, law-fulfilling truth. Those things are not opposite. Somehow Jesus encompassed them both fully. Sometimes in our circles, we, we talk about this as invitation and challenge. Jesus knew exactly how to invite people in 
and then to challenge them to go forward into what he has for them. So most of us tend to naturally lean kind of one way or the other. We're, we're more invitation, and we kind of avoid the challenge. We, we love the grace and mercy, but we don't like to talk about the truth or have the hard conversations. Which one do you kind of lean towards one or the other? I definitely lean towards grace. That's, that's my thing. I hate hard conversations. That's not fun. But there is a distinctive for us as a tribe, the, the vineyard movement that has been uh, around for a long time that, that we often say, and we try to live by this, we say, come as you are. Come as you are, you'll be loved. You are welcomed, come as you are, but don't stay as you are. Because wherever you are, whatever you're coming to today, however you find yourself here, there is always more. Jesus is in the business of transportation. (laughs) Jesus was a bus driver, guys. That's what I'm trying to say. Jesus is in the business of transformation. He came to make all things new. Come as you are. You are loved, you are welcome, but don't stay as you are. This is in our very mission statement that uh, Alicia was talking about, to welcome people home to a family that is being transformed by the life and the love of Jesus. And I just wanna say, there's so much space here. God loves people. He came to be with us. He came right into the mess. He is not afraid of whatever it is that we're bringing. When I think about my own story, uh, it was actually, I was adding this up. It was 17 years ago today, or not today, but this year, four score and 17 years ago, um, I walked into a vineyard church and I'm so glad that I was able to find a family, that I was welcomed, that it was a safe place uh, for all of my doubts and my cynicism and my anger and, and all of these things inside of me. They were not afraid of that. They welcomed me in. And I'm glad that I'm not the same person I was 17 years ago when I walked into the vineyard. Jesus has been changing me. It's the transforming power of the love of God, and it's still changing me today. I've come a long way, but I'm not done yet. I've got a long way to go. It's the already not yet of the kingdom. We are already not yet people as we follow Jesus and become more and more like him. Think about your life one year ago. How have you changed? Are there things in your life that you can look at and point to? Ooh, this is an area where I've grown. This is an area where I've come a long way. Or maybe (laughs) this is an area where I've really gone backwards. This is an area where I just feel completely stuck. Here's the good news today. God absolutely has the power to bring real change and transformation in our lives. And some of us for uh, today, you're, you're maybe doubting that that's even possible. You just haven't seen the kind of change in your life that you were looking for, and you've tried it all. I want to believe that Jesus can change me. I just feel so stuck. I'm caught in this addiction. I can't stop lying. I've just got so much anger inside. But the truth is that anything is possible with God. And this includes everyone. Whatever the thing is, 
And when we talk about this, I, I want to just up front um, give you a challenge. When we talk about people changing, don't think about other people. Think about yourself, okay? That's what we're going to do. Can we all agree to do that today? We're not going to throw stones. We're not going to point fingers. We're going to look inward and get a little reflective at, at what is Jesus inviting us into. So think about yourself. Holiness is not a requirement for salvation. Isn't this good news? I mean, this is basically the message of the Bible. If you think about um, uh, the Old Testament, God is not waiting for us to fix our problems or to clean ourselves up. He acts first. This is what he does. In the Old Testament, we have the Exodus story, right? The people of Israel, the people of God, were living in slavery. They had no way out, and, and God acted, and he rescued them, brought them out of slavery, and then he said, this is what it looks like to live a life of freedom. He acted, he brought them out, and then he said, there is more. Let me show you how this works. Or we look at the New Testament. It, it, it just goes on in Romans 5, 8. While we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. While we were still sinners, God acted. He sent his son. He gave his life to bring us out of bondage to sin and death. This is what Jesus does. He came to seek and to save the lost, to redeem, to restore, to reconcile all of the rewords. That's what he does. This is what the kingdom is all about. Righteousness and justice, all things being made right, and that includes you and me. So to follow Jesus is essentially to consent to his way of righting the world and joining him on his mission of transforming love. This goes all the way back to how we were created in the very first place, right? Every one of us was created in the image of God, created to be like him, full of purpose and meaning and joy to assert God's good rule over the earth. The invitation is radically inclusive. It's open to all, the good and the bad. I love that part of the story. We've been doing, over the summer, we've been doing these little kingdom videos. Has anybody watched them? We've had, uh, you did one. That was great, Barry. The kingdom is like lightning. It could strike at any moment. That was a great, great story. Um, but um, my cousin, Melody Winderweedle, her name is Winderweedle. Shout out to you, Melody. Um, she's a pastor at the vineyard in Chattanooga, Tennessee. She, she talked about the, the version of this story, the wedding feast that's from Luke, and it takes a little bit of a different spin, but she, she really uh, emphasized how in that story, the, the master said to go out and find the people that weren't invited and compel them to come in to the party. Not because they have all of these other options or they have a lot of other good things going on, not because they're too busy, but because they don't think they're worthy. Because they don't get invited to anything, so we have to tell them, this is really for you. You are welcome to this party, to go to the margins, the, the, the ones who are overlooked and not invited, the poor and the crippled, literally the ones that can't walk in for themselves, and bring them to the party. But that's not the end of it. And this is really what, what I think God wants to say to us tonight. But the good news isn't just that we were invited. 
The good news isn't just that God loved us, that God acted, that God is inviting us in. I mean, that's the beginning of it, but that's not the end. Everyone is welcome, but coming to the table changes us. Following Jesus leads to a life of transformation. Spending time with Jesus, putting his way of life into practice produces fruit in our lives. And the whole point of the story The whole point of your story, the whole point of every story is character transformation. That's what the whole thing is about. How are you changing? How are you being transformed to look more and more like Jesus? The Apostle Paul explains God's plan in Romans uh, chapter eight. He said, God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. The son stands first in the line of humanity he restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. God's plan is to make our lives look like Jesus. I don't know if that's the the good news that you've heard. I think some, some of us have just heard this idea that it's all about saying a prayer so that we can go to heaven after we die. But we're missing out on basically the whole point. <laughs> we're missing out on our lives becoming and looking like Jesus. I think most of us, when we first came to Jesus, most of us come into a church environment. Maybe you've never followed Jesus and you're just here tonight looking for something. Most of us, when we come... It's because we really need change. We really need rescuing. We're looking for transformation. But somewhere along the line, I think that many of us just say, that's enough. Or we become disenchanted. Maybe we feel like we're, we're not making any progress. And so we just settle for a lesser version of what God has for us. Of course, there are implications in this message for the future. There's uh, a way of looking at this that's about, yes, the things that are still to come. But I think Jesus was much more interested in what's happening in our hearts right now. How are we becoming more like him? How are we loving God and loving the people around us to welcome them into the party? There's a whole lot uh, more that I could say here, but just a quick clarification. I'm not suggesting a try harder, do more, pick yourselves up, scrub your clothes up, put on a bow tie and sneak into the party kind of of Christianity. It's all grace. It's a gift from Jesus. He invites us, but we have to accept it and to follow him. I love the quote from Dallas Willard where he says that grace is not opposed to effort, but it is opposed to earning. There's a part that we play in, in participating in what Jesus and the Spirit is doing in our, in our lives. So back to the dress code. I know you guys have, have been waiting. What are those clothes all about? What was the wedding robe that Jesus was talking about? When you think about it, it's actually funny how much clothes are talked about in the Bible. Maybe from now on you'll notice this, that there's a, a good deal of uh, a clothes talk in the Bible. Um, but here are a couple of of examples, and I think that this kind of helps us rein in to what's going on in this story. Again, the Apostle Paul 
in Colossians 3, and I love the way the message uh, paraphrase puts it. He says this, so chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe that God picked out for you. What is the wardrobe? Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic, all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Isn't that a good version? Chosen by God for this new life of love. He uses that same word that Jesus uses in the parable. How do you know you're chosen according to this? You put on his clothes. It's actually pretty simple. We can get into a lot of arguments about um, all sorts of theological doctrines, but I think it's pretty simple. You know you're chosen if you put on the clothes that he gives you. And what are the clothes? Compassion, humility, kindness. Really, it's love. You let him dress you. To enter the kingdom is to become humble, to surrender your life to his. Maybe this is another way that we have to become like little children to enter the kingdom. Just imagining trying to dress baby Davy. He's the hardest kid I've ever tried to dress. He does not like it. But Paul is saying, let him dress you. Another example from Galatians 3. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ, uh, for all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, uh, nor is there male or female, for, all, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. When you were baptized, you were clothed with Christ. I just want to throw this out there too. We're going to be doing baptisms sometime coming up soon. If you haven't been baptized, we would love to do that. <laughs> if you have friends who haven't been baptized, we would love to do that. Invite them to the family. Uh, come talk to us after. Um, we can tell you more about this. To us, it feels like clothing is so superficial, right? It's completely external. It's on the outside. It's this surface level thing. It's exactly the kind of thing that we wouldn't expect Jesus to care about. And I think that's exactly right. He, he doesn't care about the superficial stuff. He's looking at our heart, but when he's talking about clothes, he's talking about a core identity change for who we are and who we're becoming. The metaphor is clo of clothing is really to get to our identity. Who we are shown by how we live and our relational status as part of the family of God. To join the family is to enter the path to become like Jesus. And remember, it's not about being good or bad. They're all invited. So it shouldn't be a shock to us in this family on mission when there's a bunch of mess, there's a lot of craziness when the people that were, are coming into the family are, are not behaving nice and tidy like good little Christians. Because everybody's invited. If we're doing our job right, 
Like Jesus, we're inviting everyone in, and we're inviting them to a life of transformation. The thing that Jesus seems to be focused on here is how we respond to his invitation. Again, this is all grace. It's grace that saves us. It's grace that sustains us. The clothes are the righteousness of Christ given to us. Nothing we can do to try to dress ourselves up. All right. So why is Jesus so harsh towards this guy in the parable? One commentary I read uh, on this passage suggested that in that culture, in that day and age, it would have been dependent upon the host of the party to, pro to provide the proper attire to the guests that he invites. It's interesting, right? So everybody that was invited, remember they were just going out into the streets, basically anybody, uh, the, the lame, the poor, you know, they couldn't be expected to have tuxedos. <laughs> they found them on the street quarters. Um, but it was up to the host to provide the clothes for the guests to wear. Um, I love this. So the question is not, why aren't you um, dressed up all fancy? The question is, how did you get in here without putting on the clothes that I gave you? How did you get in here without following the life of transformation to become like me, without living a life of love? N.T. Wright, who is uh, a professor, a theologian, just one of my favorite Bible dudes, um, he says this about this parable. The point of the story is that Jesus is telling the truth, the truth that political and religious leaders often like to hide, the truth that God's kingdom is a kingdom in which love and justice and truth and mercy and holiness reign unhindered. That is what the kingdom is all about. They are the clothes you need to wear for the wedding. And if you refuse to put them on, you are saying you don't want to stay at the party. So I wanna come back to this question. What is Jesus inviting you into right now? How are you experiencing the transforming love and power of Jesus in your life? And are you inviting the people around, around you to experience that as well? One more story as we wrap this up. There's another parable that Jesus tells about um, a rich dude who throws a party. And it's in uh, Luke 15. We often call it the prodigal son. You've probably heard it, so I'm just going to go really quick. But there's two sons, the, but the one son takes his inheritance. He goes out and he, and he just um, wastes, wastes it all on crazy living. He, he just has a ton of fun and then loses it all and becomes so desperate that he finds himself uh, working for a pig farmer and eating the food with the pig rolling around in the mud. And so he decides to go back to his father and he has this whole speech worked up. Father, I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called a son. But he thinks, if I can be a, a slave, if I can be a servant for you, at least I'll have something to eat. And so he comes back to the father, and, and the best part, it says the father sees him while he was far off, and he runs out to meet him. And the son starts saying his prepared speech, you know, I'm, I'm not worthy to be a son. And you know what the father says? 
Get the best robe from the house, put it on him. Get the best shoes, put it on this dude's feet. Get the family ring, like Tom Brady's Super Bowl ring, put it on him, because my son who is dead is alive and back again. He doesn't make him take a shower, which is weird, because he was laying with the pigs, and now he's got this fancy robe all over him. The first thing that the father does is he clothes him with the family clothes. He says, you're welcome to be a part of this. And the clothes are the identifying marks of the family, freely given as a gift of grace from the father to us. Are we going to put it on? Are we going to accept this invitation to wear the clothes of the kingdom? Compassion, humility, kindness, wrapped up in love. Where is Jesus inviting you into right now? Let's all stand. We're gonna continue on in worship and um, we're gonna receive communion. So if my communion servers wanna come up and the band can come back up. One of my favorite things that we do when we gather together is receive communion because it forces us to physically respond to the invitation of Jesus to come to the table where we're, we're all equal. It's not for the worthy, it's for the hungry. So if you are hungry, I wanna invite you to come to the table of Jesus tonight and receive. And I just wanna read one more passage. This is from Isaiah 61. I am overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God, for he has dressed me with the clothing of salvation and draped me in a robe of righteousness. I am like a bridegroom dressed for his wedding or a bride with her jewels. The sovereign Lord will show his justice to the nations of the world. Everyone will praise him. His righteousness will be like a garden in early spring with plants springing up everywhere. This is the invitation of Jesus. And we can be filled with joy because he clothes us with garments of salvation. He drapes us in a robe of righteousness so we can become like the sun.